morning again, everybody. We're going to uh, continue walking through James this morning, and then we're going to take a couple of week break uh, from that. But today we're going to finish out James chapter 3, uh, and, and as one of the big themes throughout the, the book of James, we're going to continue talking about wisdom today. For whatever reason, uh, when I was in uh, high school and then in college and stuff, and even now as your pastor, uh, people come to me with wis- for, for wisdom. They want to know what they should do. They want their advice and this and that. And I was always like, I'm just a dumb kid. Why are you asking me these things? You know, I'd have people in high school and in college coming to me for relationship advice, and I was like, I'm not even in a relationship, and I haven't been in a good one. Why are you asking me? But they asked me anyway, and, I, and I'm sad to say that all too often I didn't give what would be considered godly wisdom. It wasn't necessarily bad wisdom, but it wasn't based in Scripture. It wasn't based out of exactly what God said. It might have had good principles behind it. It might have had good feeling behind it, good knowledge behind it. But unless that wisdom that we give is based out of the Word of God, is based out of what God says, that it's not truly wisdom at all. And we're going to talk about this morning what God's wisdom looks like and what earthly wisdom looks like. And James, in in these verses here, in James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18, uses some pretty strong language to describe earthly wisdom. See if you can pick it up. Let's read it. James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds and the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every evil thing. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Let's dive into this. On your note sheets, number one, which wisdom? Which wisdom? As in which one, which one are you going to choose? Letter A, God's wisdom, God's wisdom. We get a description throughout these five, six verses of what God's wisdom looks like. Right out in verse 13, he begins, Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his what? Good behavior, his deeds in gentleness of wisdom. First off and foremost, wisdom is not sitting back, doing nothing, and speaking words. Wisdom is doing the right thing. Knowing what the right thing to do is and then doing it. We talk about it, right? Do you just talk the talk or do you also walk the walk? And that's what wisdom looks like. True wisdom is not necessarily only the old man sitting on, a, on, the, on the front porch, right, in his rocking chair and you come to ask him for advice. No, he gained that wisdom, that advice by doing, by doing the right thing. And so the first thing that God's wisdom is, is good behavior, doing the right Deed. This continues the theme that James has throughout Scripture, uh, throughout his book, right? We read earlier, you, you know, you say you have faith, I'll show you my faith by my works. Now he's saying essentially the same thing. You're saying you're wise, show me your wisdom by your works. What do you do? Because you are not wise if you know the right thing to do and you do the 
opposite. You're not wise. And that's what James is saying here, that godly wisdom, the wisdom that comes from above, first off and foremost, it does the right thing. Secondly, it's also gentle, right? You do these things in the gentleness of wisdom. And later on, down in, um, in verse 17, he also says it's pure, then peaceable, gentle. Now, here's the thing, right? I've always been a fighter. I've never been a peacekeeper. I, I like to go to war with people. I like to go to war with things. I like to get shouting matches. I, li- I, I always have. But the fact of the matter is that as Christians, we are not called to do that first. We are called to be peaceable. We are called to be gentle. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't speak wisdom and truth into the lives of people. That doesn't mean that we don't confront wrongdoing. That doesn't mean that we don't confront sin head on in in our lives and in other people's lives. But what it does mean is that we do it with gentleness. Not weakness with a W, but meekness with an M. We're not coming at this with, I'm so wise. We come at it with, this is what the Bible says, which is what God wants. Therefore, I'm doing it this way. And my goal, and we're going to talk a little bit later when we talk about earthly wisdom, the opposite of this, my goal is to help you become more Christ-like, is to become more Christ-like myself. My goal is not my own selfish ambitions, my own aims. My goal is to do the right thing. And you walk in that gentleness, that gentleness of spirit, that gentleness of of love. And that's true wisdom. It's pure, it's peaceable. As we mentioned before, it's gentle, it's reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. That's what verse 17 says. Here's the thing. True wisdom isn't a hypocrite. It doesn't say one thing and do another. True wisdom does not lead you down a path that doesn't make you more Christ-like. After salvation, what is the primary goal of God? To make you more Christ-like. It's not to make you happy. It's not to make your life easy. It's not to make you the, the, the richest or this or that. After you are saved, the primary role of Scripture and the Holy Spirit in your life is to make you more Christ-like. So here's the thing with wisdom. If you have a choice to make, and one choice is guaranteed to make you more Christ-like, and one choice, it might not be guaranteed to lead you away, but man, it sure is looking like it leads off the other direction. Wisdom will not take you down that direction. I'm not saying wisdom won't lead you into trial and tribulation. I'm not saying wisdom doesn't lead us into hardship. I'm not saying wisdom doesn't make us uh, uh, and, and show us that we should be doing difficult, hard things. What I am saying is that wisdom does not lead you into sin. Wisdom does not lead you into temptation. Wisdom leads you to become more Christ-like. It's the same idea of if I want to bring people to Christ, that's a wise thing. But I want to do it by walking in, you know, to the brothel or whatever, to the strip club, and, and preaching gospels to these girls as they're dancing. That's not wise. Maybe you should do it when they're more fully clothed. Wisdom would say, do it when they're more fully clothed. So, it's not full of hypocrisy. It's unwavering. Wisdom and truth, there are two things that do not change based upon what the world says. 
It doesn't matter what culture says, what, what conventional wisdom says. It doesn't matter what conventional thought might say. It doesn't matter what, what our leaders in the world might say. Truth is truth and wisdom is wisdom. What is wise will always be wise. There's this um, uh, a term called situation ethics. And the point of it is essentially, does my situation change what is ethical? I.e., if my family is starving, is it ethical for me to steal bread? And the answer, of course, is a resounding no. Because stealing is always a sin. Your situation does not change what is or is not ethical. I'm not saying that we shouldn't take situation into account with things, but I am saying that the truth of God's word is true no matter what, and the wisdom of God's word is wisdom no matter what we might think, no matter what the people around us might think, no matter what culture might be saying, no matter what our world leaders might be saying. Wisdom is unwavering and without hypocrisy. It is what it is. It doesn't matter what you or I think. Wisdom is wisdom. Truth is truth. They're two of the only things that you can say don't morph and change somewhat. Truth and wisdom, there they are, boom. And it doesn't matter what the world says, what culture says, or any of it. And you'll notice if you read through that list that God's wisdom, the wisdom that comes from the Word of God, the wisdom that comes from above, it's very similar to the fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. A bunch of those words overlap. It's almost like if you are walking in the fruit of the Spirit, you're walking in wisdom. Or if you're making wise decisions, you're going to be living out the fruit of the Spirit. They go hand in hand together. So you can ask yourself that question, is are the decisions that I'm making bringing love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? If they're not, they're not wise decisions. So we've talked about what God's wisdom looks like. Let's jump to what earthly wisdom looks like. And I wonder, did you catch the word that James uses and that the Holy Spirit informs James to use, inspires James to use when describing what earthly wisdom is? It's in verse 15. This wisdom is not that which comes from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. You see, you can say something's earthly or natural, and we'll go, all right, it might not be great, but okay. You throw the word demonic on there, and there's no getting around it. There's no going, well, it might be okay. You put the word demonic on there, and it immediately makes it in our brains wrong. It was a word chosen very specifically to show us that earthly wisdom is wrong. Wisdom that is informed by our culture, by our world leaders. Wisdom that changes based on the situation. Wisdom that morphs and changes based upon how we feel is not wisdom at all. It's actually demonic. Now, I'm not trying to say that when you make choices based on those things, you are being indwelt by a demon or something like that. Not at all. What I am saying is you and I are sinners. And the fact of the matter is that makes us make some bad decisions. 
let me rephrase that. It allows us to make some bad decisions. We're not forced to do anything if we're in Christ. But he describes, James describes what earthly wisdom looks like so we can see it. In verse 14 he says, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. It's bitter, it's selfish, it's arrogant. What happens with earthly wisdom, with this demonic form of wisdom is you think about yourself first. How does this affect me first? Later on, uh, he says in verse 16, For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every evil thing. The fact of the matter is that earthly wisdom thinks about me first. How does this affect me? If when you are helping somebody through something, and your first thought is, How can I get this to help me out? How can I come out ahead? Instead of helping person B become more Christ-like, now you are using earthly wisdom. I'm not saying that some things won't be helpful to you. What I am saying is if that is your, not even your primary, if that is one of your major concerns, if that's a concern at all when giving somebody wisdom, then you are not giving godly wisdom. If it comes out of this jealousy, this selfish ambition, this bitterness, it's earthly wisdom. It's demonic wisdom. And mark this, the fruit of earthly wisdom is the second half, the second part of verse 16. There is disorder and every evil thing. Take a look at your life, your church, your job, your home. If there is disorder, if there is chaos, look at the decisions that you are making. If there is an issue in the home, and I don't mean they're sinners. We're all sinners. I don't mean everything's going to be perfect. But what I do mean is if there is constant, always disorder everywhere, you're looking at it, and the fact of the matter is that reflects what your decisions have been, what your choices have been. If there's evil, if sin abounds, if there's dissension and disorder, distraction, Look at the decisions that you are making. And if you are the head of your household, the, it falls on you to be the primary person making wise decisions. If you are the boss or the supervisor, it falls on you to be making the wise decisions. If you're the deacon or the board or the pastor of your church, it falls on you to be making the wise decisions that will impact the entirety of everyone else around you. Now here's the thing. You can't say, well, I'm not the, I'm not the boss and there's disorder everywhere. So I'll just make my, no, you are still required to make wise decisions. You can keep your area in order. But look at the world around you. Make it bigger. This county, this state, this country, this world is in a constant state of disorder, of evil. And it is because the bulk of humanity does not make godly decisions it doesn't use God's wisdom. And therefore, we were left, as the word says, to our own devices. And therefore, this world is an evil, vile place. It went all the way back to Adam and Eve in the garden. God's wisdom said, eat of every single tree, but not that one. Demonic wisdom said, be jealous and selfish ambition. God doesn't want you to be like him, eat of that tree. Earthly wisdom took over in that moment and doomed the world. 
There's a marked difference between God's wisdom and earthly wisdom. God's wisdom gives peace. It gives grace. It gives joy. It gives gentleness in situations. Earthly wisdom brings disorder, distraction, evil, dissension. Let's wrap it up. How can we apply this to our lives? Well, we just talked about one part of it. Take stock of the world, immediate world around you. If they are in disorder and, and, and evil, you're probably not making wise decisions. If there's peace and gentleness, I don't mean perfection. I don't mean not trial and tribulation. But I do mean peace and gentleness and, that, and, and purity and, and um, you know, all those things we talked about there in verse 17. Verse uh, full of mercy. Good. You're on the right track. You're still going to make some wrong choices, but you're on the right track. The second thing I want to say to you, and this is a practical thing, and some of you might laugh. Back in the, I believe it was the 80s, and then in the 90s, there was a very popular, popular saying, what would Jesus do? Right? You probably had the little bracelet, WWJD. It's kind of a funny thing nowadays. But here's the thing. Ask yourself that question. Because if there was any human, the only human that ever walked this earth that never made an earthly decision when it came to wisdom like that, the only one who ever made solely decisions based upon God's wisdom was Jesus. So ask yourself, what would Jesus do in this situation? Not in a funny sort of way, but in a literal, God, what would your son be doing in this situation? Because that's what I want to do. The last thing, to help you out with this. God doesn't speak in an audible voice pretty much anymore. I won't say he doesn't do it at all. He's God, I'm not. But he gave us 66 books of the Bible, all of which are chocked full of his wisdom for our lives. But in order to have it, you have to know it. You have to be reading it. You have to be studying it. You have to be memorizing it. You have to be diving into it. If you want to have God's wisdom in your life, you need to know the source of that wisdom, which is God, and he gave us this book in order to be wiser. It's one of the reasons we've got it. Study it. Take time every day and study his word. And then you can apply it to your lives. You can't apply instructions to something. If you've never read the instructions of how to build your Ikea furniture, you're not going to make the right decisions on how to put it together. You might get some things right. You might bumble and stumble through it and get a serviceable chair. Or you might end up with two legs on one side and the back of the chair and you don't even know how it happened. Read the instructions. And keep going back to them. Whenever you've got a question, you keep going back to them. That's what the Bible is for. One of the, one of the things the Bible is for. Keep going back to it. Because if you want to have godly wisdom, you've got to go to where it's written down, and he doesn't hide it. He wrote it all out for us. Right in his book. 66 books written over 2,000-year period by a whole bunch of different authors ranging from kings to shepherds to tax collectors, farmers, fishermen, all of it. 
And it's all his wisdom for you and me. Would you pray with me? Father, we praise you. We thank you that you gave us your word so that we can have wisdom. We thank you that we can dive into it. Father, I pray that you would help us to recognize what godly wisdom is and follow it. I pray that you would help us to throw off earthly wisdom, that we wouldn't make decisions based upon our wants, that we wouldn't make decisions based upon even our needs, but on the needs of the people around us, that we would show godly wisdom. Help us to put aside selfish ambition, jealousy, and pride, and instead to be peaceable, to be gentle, to be pure, to be full of mercy and grace. Father, I praise you. It's in the name of your Son that we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a great week, guys. We'll see you next week.